This is a Just Barbarian Things actual play podcast. Our role-playing games may contain themes and language that is not suitable for all audiences. You have been warned. Welcome to our solo playthrough of Call of Cthulhu. Um, it's just me and Heretic. Yo, yo. And we're going to be getting into a couple of different adventures so that we can both try out the system. One is going to be a little bit more investigation focused, and the other is going to be a little bit more physical. So before we get started, I know we got into a deep dive of your character in the patrons-only podcast for your character creation. Yeah, we did the whole build 0 to 60. But I would like you to go ahead and introduce your character a little bit and just share name, profession, and your main skills, like your major abilities. Okay. So we have a, a student from Boston, circa 1922. Is that correct? Yeah, about okay. that time. And his name is Carl Loft. He's 26 years old. And he is quite enamored of the outdoors and the wilderness. Um, kind of like a, a nascent Eddie Bauer sort of type. <laughs> He's uh, into uh, this, this new fangled invention called the gymnasium. And mm. uh, with gymnastics and squat thrusts and kettlebell and raises and Turkish get-ups and so on. But his strength has just never been that naturally uh, very high. But he's quite dexterous. So um, dexterity is his main stat, not to put too fine a point on it. All right. Anything else that you want to share? Um, as a student... He has been classically educated um, at the college level, but there's some uh, there's a little bit of a, a shadowy past um, because he um, didn't necessarily do so well in the uh, lower levels, so to speak, of education. But at the college level, he studied uh, Latin and Greek and and so forth. So he's very into those classic languages because he's always been possessed of a, a wanderlust so he's a bit of an explorer all right is that you're good for now yep. i think we'll discover the rest a little bit more about your character while we're think, in the game i think that's enough okay yeah all right so you are living on campus right now as a student correct uh yes sure okay so you are on campus one day. Um, you're kind of a bit of a starving student. Yeah, let's say he's staying with uh, with friends now. He's doing the uh, couch surf thing. Okay. At this time, because his prior lodgings were no longer viable. Okay. Um, so you don't live on campus, but you're on campus a lot. And you're walking through one of the buildings one day. When you notice on one of the kind of public posting boards, where there's often like odd jobs and things like that, you see a posting that very simply states, intelligent investigator needed, ghosts, question mark, and a phone number. Oh, 
So, or a connection number, I guess. Because it's ni- 1922 Boston, it yeah. says four. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And a name. And a name. What's what's the name? That's a great question. I don't know if I... I thought I named this character, but apparently... I actually did. Yeah, it's, it says Mr. Not. Phone number four. Mr. Mr. Not? How is it spelled? K-N-O-T-T. Okay. And there's no mention of pay or anything like that? It's very simple. Okay. Intelligent investigator needed... Uh, Ghosts question mark for Mr. Not. Yeah. I just made up the number. Yeah, that's, that's okay. fine. That's great. It's a collaborative storytelling <laughs> adventure. <laughs> Fantastic. So Carl thinks to himself, hmm, I, I do need a, a way to sustain myself, so I'm going to follow up on this. And the ghost's question may have piqued your interest based on your knowledges, right? Indeed, you have a I, bit of I the have cult. been I have been delving into the occult lately, um, for various reasons, and so that did pique my interest. All right. So, what are you going to do? I am going to dig in my pocket for some spare change to see if there is a a penny. And I'll go to the nearest deli, and I'll purchase a a sandwich from the a, a hot lunch from the counter. Oh, of course. And while that's being prepared, I'll go to the the phone booth in there, and um, you know, however much it costs in nineteen. 19- 20 i don't even know like a nickel or right i don't know i feel like a nickel is like a shitload of money in 1922 (laughs) so i don't know yeah like you can buy a car with yeah we're not gonna get too into the details on that since it's not money we're counting off of your inventory right now it's like pocket change right i'm guessing so it's well within your spending limit yeah I'll, i'll while my penny hot counter lunch is being prepared just Your so, hot brown sandwich. Right, exactly. Yep. Just, just so I have a reason to be there, then you know, because I'm a little paranoid, I'm going to uh, drop my coin in the uh, in the payphone and crank the handle on the side. And hello, how can I connect you? Uh, connection four, please. Uh, not residence. Yes, please. One moment, and there's a click. And then you hear a voice on the other line. This is not... Mr. Not, I have found your your bill that you had posted for an intelligent investigator wanted, and I am calling to inquire as to the nature of this opportunity. Ah, yes. uh, This is a matter of utmost importance to me to get resolved as quickly as possible. Um, If you wouldn't mind, I can set up a meeting at my office. Splendid. Uh, Where is your office located? All right, so he's going to give you an address. It's for an office location that's not far from campus because it's all kind of downtown area. Okay. And he says, when can you meet? I am free this afternoon, as it happens. Excellent. I will head straight over and, uh, you know, stop by as soon as you can and 
I'll make sure to have your upfront pay ready to go in case you want to take the job. I see. Uh, is 11 o'clock. Uh, does that work for you? I can make that work. All right. I shall see you then. Wonderful. Do I need to bring anything or prepare uh, otherwise for this interview in any certain way? Is there a dress requirement or, or similar? No, sir. I'll give you some of the details and you can decide if this is something you can do for me. Well, we will see you at 11 then. All right. So you are able to finish your sandwich. You have plenty of time to do all that. Is there anything you do want to bring with you to the meeting? Uh, yes. Because um, there that this is an investigative job and there's ghosts listed, I'm going to uh, go back to my... Um, my, my place where I'm staying right now where my, you know, pack and stuff is stashed. I have like a trunk and a, and a pack and so forth that I'm kind of lugging around from <clears throat> uh, spare room to spare room. Okay. And I'm going to retrieve uh, basically all of my gear. I'm going to, you know, gear up as though um, I don't know where I might end up. Because that's my natural wanderlust kind of driving this behavior sure so i'm going to uh strap on my uh, colt 45 automatic colt pistol and mm-hmm. um my bowie knife but you know um under my jacket because you don't want to alarm anyone right and um i'm going to look over my uh coin collection and pick out one that I think is particularly uh, lucky for me that is not necessarily a coin. It's a uh, more of a medallion, a St. Christopher medallion okay. than I have in that collection of coins. and Put that in my pocket. And other than that, I think I am ready All right. to head over. So the office is easy enough to find, and it's not in any way suspicious to you. Um, It is a typical kind of office you would associate with um, someone working in real estate um, as their primary mode of business. All right, so you approach the building, and a simple sign outside um, that lists kind of all of the office units that are in this particular building Mm-hmm. says simply, not realty. Okay. And when you go inside and you see the door with the frosted glass, it says on the window, not renters and buyers of real estate. Hmm. Okay. So I'll, uh, I'll head on in. And so he looks up from his desk. Uh, he doesn't have a secretary or anyone that greets you. It's just him sitting at his large desk. There are two big comfy chairs on the other side of it. He kind of looks up and he says, Carl? Uh, that's me. Excellent. Uh, sit down. Have a seat. Okay. I'm going to sit down in one of the comfy chairs. Yeah, there's a soft the... squeak of the leather and cushion. Put my pack on the floor next to me. So I see you've come prepared. You never know where life's going to take you. It's a grand adventure. 
Well, hopefully this will be something that you can look into pretty quickly for me. Um, one of my properties, it's in a great neighborhood, um, lovely, lovely old part of town. I've been having trouble keeping it rented. And some of the tenants are claiming strange things, including haunting, if you'd believe it. And I'd just really like someone to get to the bottom of it one way or another. I'd like it figured out so that this isn't something that uh, is putting a damper on my business. Haunting, you say? Um, I'll go ahead and take out my uh, explorer's notebook from my pack, my <laughs> stub of pencil, and start taking notes as to the uh, haunted property. All right. So I will go ahead and give you your first piece of evidence. This is really a practice piece of evidence because it's not a lot other than background information. But here you are, and you may read that into the record. Hmm, so what I know so far. A landlord, Mr. Knott, asks you to examine an old house in central Boston known as the Corbett House. The former tenants, the Macario family, were involved in a tragedy and the owner wishes to understand the mysterious happenings at the house and set matters straight. Mr. Knott has been unable to rent the house out since the tragedy, and hopes that you can clear things up and restore its good name. He offers to reimburse you for your time and trouble. The landlord gives you the keys, the address, and $25 in cash in advance. Knowing your jobs, you will want to conduct some research before you head to the house. You could check out old newspaper articles at the offices of the Boston Globe, head to the Central Library, or go to the Hall of Records. The choice of you is yours. So in these situations, just because we haven't played Cthulhu before, it is often a good idea when you're introduced to this kind of landmark to do a little bit of research or good old-fashioned investigation mm -hmm. before you dive in. Yeah, but that's absolutely. always up to you. No, definitely start at the Boston Globe. At least start, if you can only pick one, that's fine. But the newspaper is the way to go. So he tells you, I'm not putting a time limit on it, but time is a factor. I'd like to get this house safe and rentable as soon as possible. Okay. So you have the address to the house. You know, based on your background information, kind of what it's called. Mm -hmm. Um, you know the family that was living there by name. Um, so you have a little bit of information to go on. Um, and he says, you have my number. Check in with me as needed. Otherwise, when you finish the job, I'll pay you fairly for whatever you find. I see. Well, sounds fair enough. I'll get started right away. Excellent, I'll excellent. stand up and extend my hand for a firm handshake to oh, yeah. seal the deal. He gives you a firm handshake and he says, pleasure working with you. I look forward to the speedy resolution of this case. I'll report in as soon as I can. Wonderful. Alright, so you wanted to head to the Boston Globe, you said? I assume that's the newspaper. It old is. newspaper articles at the office of the Boston Globe. Yeah, the newspaper. We're okay. going to start there. To gather as much information as we can about what happened. All right, so walking up to the building, there is a very obvious sign that says Boston Globe. 
newspapers established in a year. Um, and when you open the door, you see um, a woman at a desk that greets you with a smile and a nod. Um, the office is a clacking whirlwind of typewriters, papers being handed off, and phone conversations. And you can hear the noise of the printing presses in action somewhere in the back. Okay. Sounds pretty straightforward for a news, uh, newspaper. Yeah. So the woman at the front desk gives you a smile and a nod over the din of the office. Uh, how can I help you? Ah, yes, good afternoon. How do you do? My name is Carl Loft, and I would like to access some of your archives regarding a recent happening at a local uh, real property. Oh, well, uh, that sort of thing would be down in the morgue. Oh, sorry, that's what we call it here, the newspaper clippings files, officially. Excellent. Uh, can you direct me there, uh, please? Uh, you'd need to talk to one of the editors to give you access. It's not typically open to the public. I see. Can I make an appointment with one of the editors? Uh, we we do have uh, arts in right now. Uh, let me Let me take you over there. Thank you. So you're led to a door with the name Arthur Cardos, editor, inscribed on the glass. And the clerk kind of opens the door and ushers you in, and the man inside stands up to look down at you. He's uh, large. He's both tall and quite wide. He's wearing a nice suit, but he's sweating in it. Um, and he says, ah, Artie Cardos, editor. Uh, pleased to make your acquaintance, uh, Mr. Cardos. I'm uh, Carl Loft. Uh, how can I help you? Obviously, we're busy at work here. Yes, thank you. I just need to uh, do a little research. You see, I am a student at the university, and I've been tasked by one of my professors with uh, researching local uh, happenings in uh, real property, and there was a recent uh, interesting occurrence at uh, the Corbett House, and I would like to research the uh, articles uh, relating to that, if possible. Ah, looking for access to the morgue. Ah, uh, yes, please. I'm to understand that's what it's called. Well, typically, we don't make that available to the public. So how would you like to go about convincing him or otherwise gaining access to the morgue? Uh, I understand, Mr. Cardos, and that, uh, that that is the case. However, given my status as a student and that I would be doing this for an academic pursuit, especially given my major in journalism, I'm fascinated with this, and I think that it could really help me uh, close the deal, and that I could become a productive member of the community if I were able to secure the grade that I have my eye on. So are you looking to charm, to persuade... To fast talk? Like, what skill-wise are you trying to do? Um, are you trying to just look really handsome? So, fast talk's right out. Charm is at its default. Um, are you trying to leverage your educational status? Yes. I'm trying to leverage my status as a student, and I'm not just some Joe off the street, that there's a, a higher purpose to what I'm doing here. All right, so let's just roll your education then. And see if, with your language and the way you've talked about it, that you're convincing him that this is legitimately why you're here. Legit. Yes. Okay. Um, 
So how do rolls work in this game? That's a good question. So you're going to roll functionally D100, which is your 2D10. Yeah. Um, and you want to roll a number that is under your education value. Okay, the big number for education. So I'm trying to roll under 65. Yes. Okay, here we go. I rolled a 94. (laughs) 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 Uh, I don't know what kind of research you'd be doing on real estate as a student. Uh, It's less about real estate and more about what took place at that real property. As regards, um, you know, local uh, extraordinary happenings, so, so to speak. Here's um, sort of a thing that you can do in Cthulhu. You can do something called pushing the roll. Okay. When you push the roll, you get to roll again. Can I see your character sheet really quick? Let me I think see there the might sheet. be a thing to kind of give you. Uh, okay there's a, like a little quick reference section on your second page i see and it says pushing rolls um this is a situation where you could justify it okay and basically what that would let you do is you could kind of try again but if you fail it's a critical failure i get thrown out on my ear or something so to speak yeah okay yeah i am going to push the roll because I'm continuing to try to convince Mr. Cardos. All right. Are you doing anything else to help convince him that you're a student who is in need of this information? Absolutely. I will show him my student ID. Okay. From my wallet. So I'm going to go ahead and give you a bonus die for that. Okay. So what you're going to do is you're going to get another tens place die. All right. Got it. And when you roll, you're going to use the lower value. I see. Yep. All right. Well, let's try this again. I assure you, my credentials are in order, sir. I have uh, the paperwork to back them up. And uh, a very, very earnest grin. Okay. <laughs> Luckily, that bonus helped out because I rolled another 90. Gross. But the other one is 20. So I rolled 24 this time. All right. So... You keep talking, you're like pulling out your ID, your bag obviously has a bunch of like pencils and like little writing pads and stuff like that to make, you know, your story seem more legitimate because you are a student, whether or not that's why you're here. True. Um, And he says, ah, well, never let it be said that Artie wasn't one to help someone in need. Remember, Artie Cardas. Yes, sir. I'll never forget it. All right. Uh, Edith, go ahead and bring him down to the morgue and help him find out what he's looking for. Let's go, Edith. All right. So Edith takes you down some steps into the dusty basement, which is filled with filing cabinets and stacked high with old newspapers and other assorted junk. The room smells musty and the boiler system in the corner gives out a lot of heat. Okay. She says, uh, stories are filed by location, and she kind of helps you learn the system of the filing cabinets. And then she says, uh, I'll be back up at my desk if you need anything. Uh, otherwise, you know, 
take notes about what you want, but try not to take anything from the files, because we do need to keep those for posterity. Oh, perish the thought, Edith. I would never... Uh, do note that if you're looking for anything back before 1878, the files don't go back before that because of the fire. Understood. Thank you so much, Edith. And as she walks away, in true 1922 fashion, nothing says job well done like a firm, open palm slap on the behind. <laughs> <laughs> not, not really. Okay. All right. So you are able to, with the information she gives you, um, look through the files by location, and you can easily find where the house's address would fit amongst the files that are here. And that is where you get your second piece of evidence. Excellent. Paper rustling sounds. I'm rifling through the files. Here you go. Okay. This is a... Some raw copy of an unpublished story that is stamped rejected in big red letters. It is from the Boston Globe of 1918, and it reads as follows. In 1880, a family of French immigrants moved into the house but fled after a series of violent accidents left the parents dead and three children crippled. The house long stood vacant. In 1909, another family moved in, and immediately fell prey to illnesses. In 1914, the oldest brother went mad and killed himself with a kitchen knife, and the heartbroken family moved out. In 1918, a third family, the Marcarios, rented the house, but they left almost immediately after they all became ill at the same time. And that's all of the information that you can find about the house in the Boston Globe's records. Okay. Um... I think that... In oh, and just to retcon, we're actually in 1918, apparently, not 1922, so we'll just take it back a couple of years. Just a couple of years. Back to grand old 1918, not super modern, cosmopolitan, actually, progressive 1922. based on my notes, we should be safe to call it 1920 even. Okay. Because they moved into the house uh, in 1918. All right. Um... A couple of things. One, based on this new information, I think my next move would be to track down and talk to the Macarios. And I would do that. Uh, I suppose I could go to the Hall of Records to see if I can look up their last known address, but I would probably just call Mr. Knott and ask him if he has one as a preliminary step, and then if not, <laughs> then then I would go to the Hall of Records. Um, also, is there, is there like an alignment kind of system in this game? Or how does that work? Because um, I am not really scrupulous, I don't think, in this character. He's, he's perfectly fine with... There's no alignment system. Charming um, and lying and being deceptive. No, it's all about working based on your skills in the situation. So if your character has certain skills that you think make them likely to do a certain thing, they can do that thing. Um, that's always up to you. It's very fluid. Okay. For instance, um, I uh, took umbrage at Edith's suggestion that I might 
keep an article yet now that I've found the one that I want I'm going to fold it up and put it in the breast pocket of my jacket and take it with me okay evidence sure because I'm an investigator this is official business okay (laughs) you got $25 yes that's a lot of money that's that's for real money in 1925 1920 1920 I was thinking twenty. I had twenty five dollars on the brain. Mm. Okay, so I'll uh, go back upstairs. Okay. And find Edith if she's at her desk. She is. Edith, my dear, thank you so much for your help. Can you tell me where the nearest phone that I might use is, please? Oh, you could certainly use this one right here if you need. Thank you so much. Pick up the phone, and. And dial Mr. Knot. Okay. So once again, the operator asks who you're connecting to and such, and you say number four and get to Mr. Knot's uh, phone. I see. So but, before I called his residence, and then I met him at his office. Right. But he has subsequently returned home while I've been doing my research and right. traveling to the newspaper and so on. Yep. Fair enough. All right. Yeah, he's in his office by appointment only. <laughs> Must be nice. <laughs> so uh, he picks up the phone and says, Not? Ah, uh, Mr. Not, yes. It's Mr. Loft here. I do need some more information uh, in, in regards to my investigation. Absolutely. Here to help. Please, can you provide the last known address and contact information for the Macario family? Ah, well, their last residence was the Corbett house. However, they are currently, uh, the parents are anyway, Mr. and Mrs. Macario, are at the Roxbury Sanitarium. I see. Uh, do you know how long they've been there? Um, that's, uh... Where they took up residence after leaving the house. Uh, I see. It's hmm. uh, just a couple miles outside of town. If you wanted to see them, I'm sure arrangements could be made. There are no other uh, indications or no other family members? They had children. The children went to live with relatives in Baltimore. Hmm, I see. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Knott. I'm continuing my investigation. Uh, nothing new to report so far. Very good. Uh, before I let you go, however, the kids in Baltimore are staying with relatives, you say? Yes. Do you have any contact information for them? I don't. Um, it's possible someone in the neighborhood might, or you could talk to them directly. Like I said, we could... I'll leave a, a message... At the sanitarium, if you'd like, just letting them know you might be stopping in. Excellent. Thank you. I'll hang up. Okay. Hmm. Before I hang up, I will say, excellent. Thank you. Good day, sir. I said good day, sir. Ka-chunk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Edith. Oh, of course. And with that, I'll take my leave. You do so. And now you are outside of the building in a lovely green square in this very downtown area. 
Okay. Um, so now it's time to secure transportation, I believe, to the Roxbury Sanatorium. Yep. That's easy enough to arrange. It's not very far outside of town. Get some... You gotta have some sanitarium noises in the background. So, checking in with a nurse at the front counter of a green tiled interior. Um, she asks, uh, who are you here to see? Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Macario, please. Oh, Mr. Is it Loft is your last name? Yes, that's Sorry, correct. I'm still learning your character too. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I had a message that you might stop by. Uh, splendid. Uh, were you looking to speak to Mr. Vittorio or Mrs. Gabriella? Uh, may as well begin with the mister. I see. Um, do be warned he is the less stable of the two. Uh, I pride myself on my steely nerves, but thank you. I will be warned. All right. So what, what was his name again? Sorry. Vittorio Macario. Vittorio and Mrs. Gabriella. Mm-hmm. Gabriella Macario. Excellent. Okay. All right. So she leads you to a room down a long hallway um, in a wing that seems to be like the men's wing, if you want to think of it that way. Okay. Um, and she stops at the door and opens it and stays outside. Um seems to expect you may not spend too much time in here. And looking into the room, it is clear that to you that Vittorio does seem a bit mad. He's clasping a Bible to his chest and he's rocking back and forth. And sometimes he looks over at you, opens to a page in the Bible. He points at it seemingly at random and says, by his own weapon is the devil worsted. And then stuff falls in our kitchen all haunted style. <laughs> True. All right, hold on, let's go fix that. Now that we've cleaned up the spooky ghost throwing stuff in our kitchen. Yes, we have returned unkilled by the ghosts in our own home. <laughs> also known as an open window. <laughs> um... Again, he kind of, and then he'll close the Bible and he'll rock for a minute. Did I, was I able to notice chapter and verse page, anything that he was, where he was? Um, not specifically, but then you see him open it again to a completely different page, Mm -hmm. point at it and say, by his own weapon is the devil worsted. I see. Okay. I got to remember that. By his own weapon is the devil worsted. Okay. Uh, I'll sit down next to him if I can. Okay. And I'll see if I can address him by first name to get his attention. Okay. Vittorio, Vittorio, I'm here to speak with you finally about this. And he looks at you and he opens to a page. (laughs) <laughs> and he says, by his own weapon is the devil worsted. And they just seem uh, random pages. He's not pointing at anything yeah. 
It's always in his little Bible, but it's always a random page. Okay. Mm. All right. Uh, I I think that this all this dude is gonna say, <laughs> but I'll, I'll ask him. I'll ask him. Anyway, Vittorio, what happened? What happened at the house? And he's quiet for a moment. And he looks at you, opens the Bible, and says, By his own weapon is the devil worsted. All right, I think we're done here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll go back to the, the nurse or the orderly or the front desk or what have mm-hmm. you. She says, Yeah, um, unfortunately, this is what he's like most of the time. Oh, when he's not like this, what is he like? That's usually when he actually gets some sleep. He's awake most of the time. Um, I see. So when he's awake, he's never lucid. He's always in this manic state. And then he passes out eventually, and that's his day-to-day. Sometimes he calms down when his wife's in the room. We let them visit from time to time. Um, But he doesn't... Besides being quieter, he doesn't really change very much even when she's here i see well i suppose i'd better interview her next then maybe we can get somewhere with the wife yes she's um well obviously hysterical she is uh, a little bit easier to deal with and uh, she'll be in the women's wing so please this way thank you and she leads you to the other side of the compound into a room that's much more put together like a typical bedroom. There are some decorations. You note um, a crucifix is hung on the wall. There's a rosary on the nightstand. Um, And there's a woman sitting in a rocking chair by the window working on some knitting. And is this Gabriella? Oh, are you Mr. Loft? Yes, I am. Pleased to meet your acquaintance. How do you do? Oh, very well. Uh, I was told you might come to visit me. Yeah, yes, ma'am. I am here to visit you. I'm here to help. Uh, she says, how can I help you? I'm interested in the events of, uh, late 1918 at the Corbett House. Ah, uh, there is an evil presence that lives in the house. Is there anything you can tell me about it that might be helpful to me on my uh, journey to right these wrongs and set it uh, set it to rest? You have to understand when my husband fell ill, it was my sharing of my experiences there that also got me put in this place. Well, you're here already. I don't suppose they can put you in here twice. (laughs) I suppose that's true. Uh, For me, the experiences were not so bad as for my husband. Uh, Sometimes at night I would see... I would wake and I would see the evil standing over my bed. Was it the hag or something else? A figure. I never saw it clearly. When it was angry, sometimes it would cause the dishes or other things to fly around the room. 
but it seemed to hate my husband most of all, and it focused most of its anger on him. What would it do to uh, poor Vittorio? He was tormented. Things would fly at him and cause him injuries. He would fall often. There would be sounds. Sometimes he would find strange things. Uh, I, I, I don't really want to talk much more about that, though. Oh, I understand. That's, that's quite all right. Thank you so much. Um, is there anything, uh, tell me, would there be any, uh, anything to be gained by discussing this with your children? I don't mean to pry, and I won't get into your family against your wishes, but... If if this could help us put this to rest and help anyone else avoid such an unfortunate end, it would be well worth it. Do you have any persuasive skill that you would like to try to use? Um, I am not very persuasive. Um, I'd have to roll below a ten to persuade her. Um... There's charm, and fast talk, and persuade. I know none of them are very high for you, but it's always worth trying just in case you make it, because that's how you make your skills go up. Yeah, I'm going to have to try charm. That's my, my highest one at 15. Okay. So let's just give it a shot. What the heck, right? I just roll the yep. like normal. Like normal. Okay, I'm trying to get under 15, so yes. this is going to be a GD miracle. 69, dude. <laughs> she says, oh, I don't want to trouble them anymore with that house. They were so young. They are so young. I... That I, is completely understandable. Uh, I'm sorry to have troubled you. No, I, I appreciate someone taking it seriously. And that I do. I can assure you, Gabrielle, I'm giving this my utmost attention. Hmm. So, I I think I've gotten uh, all of the information that I can okay. out of her. Sure. And next up would be the Central Library to research what right. I've learned. It's definitely getting later in the day, but you think you have enough time to do a little bit of research. Okay. So that's fine. I don't have any contacts or anything. The only significant are... You probably have some contacts at school that you could leverage, um, just based on your educational status. Yeah, anyone in any, any of my occult classes would probably be better than going to the library myself. In my circle of, you know, uh, classmates and, um, you know, my occult studies, um, I would probably want to ask them for information and assistance in studying up and gathering information on this uh, potential ghost, potential poltergeist. Sure. Roll um, your education to see who can be available for you. Kinetic phenomenon that it's exhibiting. Okay, here we go. 
I rolled my education score exactly 65. All right. We'll, we'll call that a success. That's fine. Just borderline. borderline. So you're, you're able to get one person to come to the library and meet up with you to help you out with your research. I see. I sent them a, a singing telegram or something, and then they met up with me. Well, I mean, you may have um, called the building that they live in, and someone went and fetched them. Okay. Fair enough. And uh, they said, well, I can, I can be right over, no problem. And so... Thank you, Albert. At the Central Library, you and Albert... And a librarian, if you need one. Oh, excellent. You know, they work there for a reason. They're highly educated and very uh, highly trained professionals. True. So how would you like to approach this research? I'm going to fill Albert in on my findings so far, relating what uh, Mrs. Macario told me about what had happened and showing him the uh, rejected article okay and and telling him albert there's clearly something going on here and i think it is beyond our mortal ken i really believe it ties into what we've been looking into and this could be an actual case then i have an opportunity to gather first-hand information on it but i'd like to know what i'm walking into i don't Intend to put my soul at hazard. Well, if it really is a ghost, then the history of the house is paramount, and understanding why it might be there. Okay. Oh, indeed, it's an excellent point. Uh, Corbett House history. So, I will help you research. I'll I'll, I'll start there. Okay. And Thank he gives you. you some direction and things you might look into, which is going to give you a bonus die on your own research, which I know is not your strong suit, but perhaps that'll help. Yeah, that's okay. You know, I mean, library use, it's not my strong suit as a student. All right. So he's going to go ahead and do a check and you can also do one. All right. With my bonus die. And uh, close, but no cigars, see? My library use is 20, and my best roll is 27. Oh, okay, so it was really close. It was really close. But Albert has a little bit of luck. He's like, ah, I found a reference to, to the house. I see. What'd you find, old chap? Old bean? <laughs> Research. All right. In 1835, a prosperous merchant builds the house, but immediately falls ill and sells it to a Mr. Walter Corbett Esquire. He sold it to a lawyer? Interesting. Hey. Uh, the name matches what they call the house. Maybe we can dig in a little bit more there. True. Now, also, he built the house and then immediately fell ill. This suggests that this may be predates the house itself which would mean the land upon which it stands that's certainly a possibility hmm. maybe we should look in the greater area as well yeah let's head to the hall of records so you're done library researching for now uh, i 
think. Well, I mean, you know, I wanted to find out more about the the ghost, really, and mm-hmm. less about the property. Um, here was okay. my in- intention, but that's what I that that's what I wanted to research. But nah. Albert, this is well and good, and I, I'm grateful for this. I'm really interested, in addition, in anything I can learn about what I might be walking into, um, you know, uh, haunting-wise, specter-wise. What what are we looking at here, based on the description? I don't know how much we'd find about it in a library like this, but uh, things to know about specters. I mean, from what we've learned so far, often they are immaterial, but can manifest in the movement of objects. Um, That would uh, wash with what Gabriella told us. Told me. Told us. Told us. Uh, But honestly, I've I've not experienced one myself, so it's hard to say. Okay. Do you know where we might be able to gather more information other than a library like this? About ghosts? About ghosts. Huh? I mean, you could still check the library, you could check the school library if you wanted to. I just, you know, there aren't a lot of records of this sort of thing. Well, I guess we'll have to follow up our one lead then. And follow up on our research snippet that we received. Alright, so what do you want to do? Well, let's head to the Hall of Records and dig into the history of the house. Okay. And the land upon which it stands. The land upon which it stands. And we will call it this land. (laughs) All right. So you go to the Hall of Records. Uh, The clerk looks up and he says to you, "Uh, it's only an hour or so before we close, so. Oh, I'll be brief, sir. You'll be home to your dinner and your lovely wife in no time. Uh, how can I help you? Uh, I am be here on behalf of uh, Not Real Properties. We're uh, gathering some information on one of his holdings. It is the uh, Corbett House. It's going to probate, you see, and we have to uh, work up an extensive report. And this entails uh, its entire history. He kind history. of waves you off and he says, I see, I see. Public records are accessed in the room to your left, but let me know if you need anything else. That was some fast talking. I had to hitch up my pants pretty high. <laughs> <laughs> well, what a fine hill of beans. <laughs> okay, so he waves us into the records room or yep, what have you. The public records. Fantastic. Or to your left. Okay. Let's walk right in there. Come along, Albert. Uh, of course. <laughs> All right. Um, so you guys will both make a roll. Mm-hmm. It's still library use because it's research. Okay. But this is just a regular one. Not a bonus one. You'll still have a bonus from Albert helping you out. Okay, here we go. Hopefully, I do better this time. Wish me luck, barbarians. Uh, <laughs> what are the chances I'd roll two sixes in the tens place? <laughs> so 65, no matter how you slice it. Which is a far cry from the 20 that my library uses. Ah, uh, gotcha. Well, Albert has a little bit more luck than you because he's a nerd. He says, not a lot about the land itself, but I did find this referencing one Walter Corbett. 
I see. Walter Corbett Esquire. Ah, so it looks as though he's passed since. And if I cross-reference this with my story, that was some 38 years ago, perhaps, or longer. The executor of Walter Corbett's will was Reverend Michael Thomas, pastor of the Chapel of Contemplation and Church of Our Lord, Granter of Secrets. You cross-reference this to the Register of Churches, and it notes the Chapel of Contemplation closed in 1912. Drat! I was hoping to visit that church. Can we find out where that church was? Maybe there's a new church on the site. Um... You do find an address in the registry. Mm. That's all you're looking for. Yes. And it does place it in the same neighborhood as the house. Excellent. Let's stop by there. I think that's where we'll go next. The site of the old church to see if there's a church there now. And if so, we can perhaps gather some more information uh, about that. We can follow our investigation. That looks like a good place to go. Well, uh, if you're going outside of books and papers, I think you're on your own with this one, Carl. Of course, Halbert. Thank you so much for your help. Tell me, is there anything I can do for you? Do you need a ride home or perhaps a bite to eat before we get started? I'll just... Keep me updated. This sounds quite exciting. I will keep you apprised, good sir. Thank you so much. Your help has been invaluable, I say. Invaluable. Of course, of course. I'll send Albert on his way. Okay. And we are staged to head to the location of the old church, Chapel of Contemplation and Church of Our Lord, Granter of Secrets. Okay. So you're now in the neighborhood uh, where the house exists. And you can see that the neighborhood itself predates the Great War. And for the most part, it's been converted into businesses and offices. So you see a lot of small businesses dotted with homes that have stayed um, as they are, um, have not sold out to become businesses or similar. And with the address in hand, it's not difficult to find the location of the Chapel of Contemplation. What is left of the old church stands at the end of a crooked, dingy street. The ruins are weathered and overgrown with greenery, so that the gray stone of the building seems more like natural stone than walls and foundation. You pass a slumping wall that bears white painted symbols that look like they have been freshly reapplied. Symbol, you say? Yes, the symbol looks like three Ys arranged in a triangle so that the top of each Y touches the others, and in the center is a staring eye. Okay, so this isn't any letter that I would be familiar with, although... I would be familiar with the letter Y in both the English, Latin, and Greek alphabets. That's true. So 
respectively. Obviously, we don't have to explain what Y means in English. Right. But in Latin and Greek, what are, what's the significance there? You're not sure this is a language thing, but you could certainly roll to see what you might be able to understand. Yes, I would like to do so. Okay. First, for Latin. 43, which is well under my 65. Right. Is it a hard or extreme success? I don't know what that means. Is it under one of the smaller numbers? Oh, yes. Let's take a look. It is not. Okay. So with a regular success on that one, um, and you did Latin first. Yes. Um, you know that in Latin there isn't any particular um, meaning attributed to the letter Y. Okay. Although it can be a binding term, you know, in some Latin-based languages, the Y can stand for um, things being conjoined. Excellent. Greek. Also well under my score, but not extreme or what have you, not Mountain Dew flavored. There does not seem to be a Greek connection to the letter Y. Okay. You can roll a cult if you want to, though. Yes, I would like to do that next. This is going to be a little more difficult, because my cult score is only 30. 47. So, not so much luck there. Right. So this is definitely some sort of symbol that seems to have an occult meaning to you, but you are having difficulty really parsing it, and it's not one you've seen before. Okay. So... There's no building standing here anymore. Is that correct? I mean, did I Not miss really. that? Not really. It's a kind of some pieces of foundation and wall. But as you stare at the symbol and kind of look around, you feel a tingling in your head, like the start of a headache. Hmm. I need you to make a luck roll. Okay. Luck. Luck it is. Um, so... I have a luck table here. Yep. What's your current luck score? Of 75. Right. You want to roll under 75. 54. All right. The boards under your feet give way. Oh, no. But you notice, and you easily jump away from the breaking of the old rotted boards. And you can see 10 feet below you the floor of a basement. Oh, I see. Well, luckily I have in my pack my handy-dandy lantern. True. And I also have my Zippo lighter that I can light it with, I think, uh, as far as um, time frame you have a lighter, at uh, least. Appropriateness. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll light my lantern and see if I can look down into the depths of the basement. It looks like a compartment of the basement that was sealed off from the main area that once was the basement. It looks like it was originally reached by a separate set of stairs, which is now buried under the rubble of the building. 
And within the room, as you look around with your lantern, you can see uh, a cabinet. You can see a cabinet. And next to the cabinet, you can see two skeletons dressed in tattered silk robes, perhaps hiding or otherwise interred here in some way. But they have obviously perished. According to my research, I would have a Chesterfield cigarette lighter. Okay. <laughs> because Zippos weren't manufactured until 1932. Okay. okay. Um, so now I have looked, peered into the depths of the basement. Yes. And I see two skeletons in their shrouds. In Yeah, tattered silk robes. Okay. Um, how far and is And a the- cabinet. How far is the drop to the, ten feet? Uh, and uh okay. Well I do have my climbing gear and I would like see getting down to the floor is not a big deal. I feel like I could you know, drop down that distance pretty handily with no issue. Right. But getting out would be the problem. Right. So I'd like to secure a rope to a nearby stout fixture of some kind. Absolutely. There are trees and bits of, like, stone foundation and things like that you could certainly use. Okay. So um, I would like to secure a rope to a nearby stout uh, fixture and lower it into the, the basement that I've discovered and... It's it's just there so that I can climb out, and not so that I can necessarily lower myself down. Okay. Um, given though that I'm carrying a lantern, I'll kind of lower myself uh, more carefully than just jumping down. Okay. And investigate this room. You're in the basement. You see a cabinet and two skeletons. What would you like to do? I'll start with these skeletons. All right. The skeletons are um, quite wasted away. And again, they're wearing tattered what appears to be silk robes. Okay. And that that's it? They don't have any jewelry or writing around them? or No, they do not. Symbolism? Nope. Symbology? Okay. Not that you can see. All right. Well, I'll check out the cab- the cabinet then. Okay. Uh, go ahead and make a spot hidden roll. Yes. Yes. Finally. Something I am... Oh, actually, I'm not decent at this. <laughs> trying to get below 25 and I rolled 25. All right. We'll go ahead and call that. That's fine. So, in the cabinet, you find a bunch of papers that are moldy to the point of being unreadable that fill the shelves. Um, But you also notice something just barely visible tucked under the cabinet. I see. A glint, perhaps? Not a glint. Hmm. (laughs) Just the edge or a corner of something. Well, I I shall stoop down and uh, see if I can fetch it. Crouching down, you see a journal and a large leather-bound book. Ooh. Okay. Well, we don't want to uh, start perusing these here. Let's just retrieve them if possible. Okay. 
So there is a musty old journal and an enormous tome. Okay, now we're cooking with grease. I'll tuck these into my knapsack. You may. If I if I may, and uh, we'll, we'll give the room one more once over. I mean, it really looks like this was almost a secret room. That was. It's a very small area that was walled off from the rest of the basement that has since fallen in on itself. Um, so this area seems like it was separated and kind of protected through time by being this kind of separate little nook. Okay. Now, would, would I know about anchorites or similar? Would my character know about them? I mean, I, I, know I don't about, know okay. about anchorites, so I don't know what you're asking me. So anchorites were monks back in uh, the day. Or if you played World of Warcraft and you played... um. If you played WoW and you fought against or played any of the uh, Draenei, 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 whatever, they had um, NPCs and whatnot that were anchorites. And these were monks in the real world that back in the day would isolate themselves in a room in the basement of a church. And they would stay there until they died. And that was like their whole thing so i don't know if my character would know about these sorts of things or not well, i mean you may like... but at this point you don't have enough information about the church to make any inferences about why they would be there okay returning mm -hmm. to the skeletons is there anything i can ascertain about the difference between the two not in their condition okay i mean you can make a medicine check if you want to no that's okay they look pretty much the same based on their robes and their state of decay as, right. as far as they look like they were placed here at the same time in the same sort of garment or shroud or what have you. Don't, they don't seem to be different. No. Okay. And finally, um, I want to take an artifact from each of them then, if possible. Just, oh. just a, a finger bone or similar. Yeah, just you can do that. You don't have to ask me to do it. <laughs> Okay, so I'll retrieve a finger bone from each of these skeletons and tuck it away, uh, wrapped in some of their silk robe, Okay. each in a uh, pocket of my knapsack. Sure. And with that, I will attempt to hoist myself out of the cellar. Um, since you did have a successful spot hidden roll, you do need to check that box. Oh, Okay. Um, how does that work? Do I do like a forward slash, a backslash, a check mark? Whatever lets you see that you have checked the box. Okay. It needs to be obvious to you. So what I mean is like hit points and, and um. No, it's just a mark so that you know you've used that skill successfully. So I'm not going to remark it later. You're going to erase it and remark it if you use the skill later. Okay. But that's about it. Spot hidden. Done. Because I think that's the only skill you've used successfully that has a checkbox. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Laugh it up, fuzzle. <laughs> so, next is getting out of the basement, I, I, I guess. Because yeah. I feel no, like no, you tied a rope and everything, so you don't have to make any specific role for that. There's nothing that's going to stop you. From getting out of the basement. I can climb out successfully. Yes. And find myself on the church grounds again. Yes. Okay. 
And you still do feel kind of funny, but you're otherwise fine. Did you want to check out the books here, or is there anything else you wanted to do? I think I'd want to vacate the area because it makes me queasy. Yeah. And I'll check out the books in like a local... I mean, if this is like a neighborhood, there should be a, a pub or similar or something around here. I'm glad you fucked your ass. <laughs> An inn that I could go to? Is so, it? down the street, you see an establishment with a sign that in very classy lettering names it the Gentleman's Discussion. I see. Is it a strip club? Uh, No, it appears to be a lounge. Well, I was joking, but awesome. Gentleman's Discussion? That is correct. And it's Gentleman's yes. Discussion. Not plural. No, apostrophe okay. S. Okay. Well, I will definitely head there to peruse the contents of my newfound loot. All right. So opening the door... You're greeted by what appears to be a, a classy lounge where men can read the newspaper, smoke, and drink. Nothing illicit, surely. And uh, share their opinions on the time. Is there an isolated table where I might uh, have some privacy? Absolutely. By myself? Sure thing. Place my, my effects? So, walking in, you see a man behind the bar polishing a glass, as they do. Uh, and he looks up and he says, Welcome, new friend. I'm Mr. Dooley. Let me know if you need anything. Uh, coffee, please. I'll be at this table right here. Right away. All right. And so Mr. Dooley will bring you a coffee. We'll go ahead. Do you want to examine the books now? Yes. I'd like to investigate the books here with my with my coffee that will hopefully give me a, a perk to my alertness and study skills. <laughs> All right. All right. So let me grab that for you. All right. So which one are you looking at? I will look at the musty journal first because the tome is enormous. Okay. That will be quite an undertaking. So, so we'll start with the journal. The old journal, it falls apart a bit as you turn the pages, but the name Walter Corbett catches your eye. This is the journal of one Walter Corbett. It doesn't Esquire. say that. It doesn't say that. You notice his name in the journal. <laughs> I just open it to a random page. No, you're like flipping through there. it and you see his name featured oh. prominently. Okay. The entry records Walter Corbett was buried in the basement of his home in accordance with his wishes and with the wishes of that one who waits in the dark. Ooh. Okay, this is a significant clue. One who waits in the dark. That is correct. Okay. But that seems to be the only really legible thing of interest to you in the journal that you can find. I see. Okay, everything else is decayed beyond recognition. Uh, yeah, or it's just mundane things, uh, talking about candle orders for the church and things like that. Ah, uh, I see. Okay. Well, uh, let's crack the enormous tome while I sip my delicious 1920 Boston coffee. The enormous volume, handwritten in Latin 
is rotten and worm-eaten, many of the sections can no longer be understood. But I can read it. You can. You note that it's in Latin, and some of the words that you catch offhand without really getting into it seem to reference something occult in nature. Would you like to try to read it? Yes. What is your Latin score? My Latin score is 65. Which means that you do not need to roll to read the book. Cool. That's good. That's handy. Of the sections that are still intact, you think that it will take you about three hours to get through it. Okay. It's a big read. It is an enormous volume. Okay. I'm going to signal for a sandwich as well. <laughs> All right. So you brought some food. Mm. And, you know, since I'm eating, I should probably smoke, too, because it is 1920. <laughs> That's true. It's good for your respiratory system. It is. It's healthful. Yes. <laughs> and restorative. Truly. <laughs> Okay. All right. So I'm going to settle down and read. You're this just going to read through it. Mm-hmm. All right. So before we get to what you find in there, I will go ahead and let you know that you are going to gain two Cthulhu mythos. Ooh. Okay. So that takes my Cthulhu mythos from zero to two. That is correct. Okay. And you're going to lose two max sanity. It's going to drive me a little bit crazy. So I'm going to go from 25 to 23. All right. All right. And let me go ahead and grab some information for you here. So really what you've gotten here is your first taste of something that brings you closer to the truth of the otherworldly. Yes. So it's not anything specific. There are no um, like rituals or spells that you find in here, but there are many references to things that you haven't really dealt with before, and it might take you some time to really parse through it and come to grips with it. It's definitely strange and otherworldly. Mm, I see. The, there's a binding... Of the book feel strange to the touch between my fingers. It does seem like a classic leather-bound tome. Okay. And this is actually where I think we will stop for the day. Yeah. I have a lot to digest mentally. Right. And you'll have an opportunity at this point, which is also the end of the day in game time to determine if there are more things you want to look into or if you want to check out the house. Okay. Oh, sounds like a, a good place to, to, to stop for now. Okay. If you like what you've heard and you'd like to hear more, then please subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice or check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash justbarbarianthings. Our patrons get access to exclusive content, including special behind-the-scenes podcasts and um, special posts about character creation and other things that we do to get ready for our games. Thanks for coming out.